Well, go ahead and turn to Psalms 133. Uh, I'm going to do the Scripture reading just because it's three verses. That's all that's in this chapter. And I'm going to read all three of these verses and then kick this message off. It says in verse 1, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments uh, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. And we, we're all familiar with that first verse there about how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then it goes on in the next two verses to just describe other things that are pleasant. And, you know, most of us in here, we don't have, you know, beards that go down to the skirts of our garment and we don't know what it's like to have the precious ointment on there. But I'm guessing, based on the context, that it probably is pretty a good, it's a pretty good thing. It's something that's pleasant, something that is pleasing. And like that dew of Hermon that descended upon the mountain of Zion, I don't know what that's like either. I've, I've not seen that. I've not experienced that. But, you know, we might talk about something here just like, you know, a beautiful sunrise as we watch the water flowing on the Rock River, uh, just as that is pleasant. You know, it's pleasant when brethren dwell together in unity. We all enjoy, uh, I think that's one of the great things about the song service. During the song service, that's a part of the service where we are, we are united we are saying the same thing. We are thinking the same thing. We're singing the same thing. And as uh, and then and then two, we're doing it at the same time where we often have harmony going on, where people are singing different parts. Instruments are playing different parts. But like in the Bible talks about how it's all lifted up to make one sound. It's just a unifying moment. And you know what? It feels pretty good, doesn't it? it just, it's it's a good feeling. You know, we went to a ball game last night, and my one of my favorite parts of a baseball game is when we sing, take me out to the ball game. I don't know. There's just something about getting thousands of people together and just singing a song and being united and, you know, having fun at the ball game, you know, and just as that lifts my spirits, how much more, you know, when it's about things that actually matter, like the things of God. But, but either way, people love those united, uniting moments. You know, they always have the national anthem at games and that's just kind of a, a feel good moment too, where everybody is just kind of standing at attention you know, before the game, you've got conversation, everybody's kind of doing their own thing, but it's a moment when everybody's doing the same thing. Except now, you always have the knuckle, couple knuckleheads that want to kneel to get attention. You have the crummy athletes that will get automatic points from the news media. That's another subject for another day. But we all hate those people. Why? Because they kill the unity, right? They, they ruin that moment. And so, you know, unity is, it's a very wonderful, it's a beautiful thing. It's something that makes us all feel good. And you know what? Division, the opposite of that, is something that brings tension, doesn't it? It's just something that we don't like it because, you know, we want everybody to be happy. You know, we want everybody to be united. We like that feel good moment. But then all of a sudden when something comes along and there's division, it does, it just kind of puts a knot in your stomach. It just, it kills the mood. It, it, it can kill the spirit wherever you're at. And it kills, the, it kills the spirit in the church too. And our, and our country too, it's so divided, you know, in so many areas. We do, we love those moments where we can just all come together about anything. You know, we love, you know, in Christians too, we always feel like we're on the outside so much. We do, we just, we just go crazy when an actor or something says something about Jesus, then we're like, oh man, you know, we, you know, we, you know, we, we, we want to unite with those people. You know, when a politician does something, anytime there's a moment where politicians are united, everybody just 
thinks it's wonderful and feels good, okay? Except for me, I get real scared, okay? I, you know, and that's another subject too. Whenever the politicians get united, run, okay? <laughs> that, that's always a bad thing. But, but we don't, we don't like division. It, you know, it brings tension. It causes hard feelings. And as fundamental Baptists, we are, we often find ourselves being accused of causing all the division that we see ever, because, you know, there's a lot going on that's just not biblical. You know, there's a lot of things that the world is calling us to unite on, and we just can't. Okay? We can't. You know, we're, and we're, let's just face it, there's going to be a lot of areas where we're always going to bring a little bit of tension. You know, and, and just people knowing that you have a problem with it is going to bring tension. You know, and people don't like it. That's why, too, you know, every, like even with when it comes to sodomite marriage, okay, our country, unfortunately, is becoming more and more accepting to that. And a lot of people are to the point now they just don't want to fight it anymore. And, you know, and the problem is, you know, and, and it's not a problem. I'm glad we have some of this. But, like, just the fact that, you know, I've, I've talked to people that have gotten invitations for these weddings that they call, you know, I wish they'd come up with another name for it. But they'll call it a wedding or something. And, you know, there's always, when people get that, I think there's still just a natural cringe. But nobody wants to be that person, you know, that's a jerk and that makes a big stink. But, you know, thankfully, you know, if you know, a lot of families do, they have that person in there that everybody just knows they're not going to be okay with this. And, you know, and because of that, you're often going to be accused of being the one that causes division and brings tension to the family. You know, it's like they're, they're, they, they, if they show up at the family reunion, everybody knows that this person's not going to be happy. And so you're the jerk, you know, because of it, because you just can't compromise on this. You can't just go along to get along. And as, and as fundamental Baptists, we're usually the ones that are just kind of raining on everybody's parade, aren't we? And it kind of stinks. It doesn't feel good. But at the same time, there's just some things that we, we can't compromise on. But, and because there's so much of this stuff going on, you know, a lot of times, whenever there are, there's a call for unity in the Bible where we should be united, you know, we often just kind of naturally don't want to be that way. And there are some areas where we should be united. There are some areas where we should have unity. There are areas where and this probably isn't the best term, where it is okay to compromise, okay? And when I, and when I don't, don't run with that statement, you'll see where, uh, you know, let me get some specifics, all right, where you'll see that. I don't think we should ever compromise on things that violate our conscience and things that are sin. But there are some areas where you can, it's okay for you to just go along for the sake of unity. We'll talk about some of those as we go, but, you know, we are, we're, all, we're often very battle-worn when it comes to a lot of these things. So, when we hear that call for unity, a lot of times we just hear it as a call to compromise. But I want to talk this morning about how we can be a united people or how we can have unity without compromise. Because I don't want to be a compromiser. I don't think you all want to be a compromiser. But I also want to be united and I want to have unity in areas where God has called us to have unity. Because it is. It's a good and a pleasant thing. I want Liberty Baptist Church to be a good and a pleasant place. I don't want it to be a place where there's strife and contention. I don't want to be a place where people would rather come and sit in church in the corner of a housetop, you know, than being in these large halls where you've got brawling going on. We don't need that kind of thing going on. So how can we do this? And so it's first, it's very important that we understand certain principles 
concerning Christian unity. Okay? There's a few things I want to make sure we all understand. So turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. All right? Ephesians chapter 4. And this is, and I, I think we're struggling more than ever with this because of the fact uh, we live in this social media generation where everybody has a platform and everybody has fallen in love with themselves and their opinions and, uh, you know, because they have a few followers, they think they're something, you know. And I think that's done more to just mess everybody up than just about anything. But first thing you need to understand about unity is unity does not require total agreement. Okay. Now listen, you can't get any two people to totally agree on anything, can you? It's, it's not going to happen. But yet we've been called to be united in the church. So there's, listen, there's no way that can mean we all have to think exactly alike on something. It, it, that, that can't be. That would be an impossible request. It can't be done. But in Ephesians 4, what it says, I therefore as the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Notice, if we're going to keep that unity, if we're, it's, first off, it's going to take an endeavor. It's going to take some effort. And we're going to have to have a lowly mind. We're going to have to be long-suffering. If we're going to be long-suffering, that tells me there's going to be stuff that I don't necessarily like that I've got to put up with, that I got that I got to deal with. And then he goes on in verse four says, "There's one body and there's one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. God has given all of us grace, and we've all we all need a measure of that grace. God puts up with stuff from all of us." And you know what? I, you know, I, we're not keeping score on this kind of thing, but I think God has to put up with a little more with some people than He does other people. But either way, where sin abounds, grace is much more abound. Either way, we're all going to make it. We're all going to get to heaven if you're saved, you know, because grace is there. And, but it does it. It takes a measure of it. And if God is showing that to us every day, I think it's okay if we show that to some other people. And then jump down to verse 11. So then He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man and under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. But you know what? We're working towards it. We're working on being, becoming united. We're working on becoming one in all of these things. But at the end of the day, it's not going to completely happen until Jesus Christ returns and He changes us and He fixes all of us. And guess what? When the rapture comes, every one of you are going to get some kind of change in your body because none of you have achieved Christ yet. None of you are there yet. Some of us think we're there, but we're not there yet. And proof will be the rapture because you you will get a changed body at that time because there's something in all, there's stuff in all of us that is just not acceptable that cannot enter in the kingdom of God. Every one of us are going to have that transformation. And, but we need, so we need to do this. And God's given these people in the church to bring us to this point, to help us to be united. And then he goes on, uh, says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into all, 
into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So we don't want to be children. We need to be growing up. We need to be getting better at these things as time goes on. And so we see here in this passage, that's a great passage about unity. It shows that it takes effort. It takes patience. It takes long suffering. Okay. And you know what? I'm telling you, and, and I, I'm, so I've been pastoring now almost 10 years. I've been in the ministry now for 20 years. And I, you know, I grew up in a pastor's home. I've seen this my whole life. People constantly leave churches over the most minor disagreements. I mean, you know how many times we've had people that have left here because they did not like someone in the church? Do you realize how unchristian that is? That completely is contrary to everything that we have been called to do as a Christian to just leave a church because you don't like someone in the church, that's really bad. You know what? Just face it, there's always going to be somebody here that you don't like. And you don't need to tell anybody who it is. You don't need to let them know who it is. But you know what you just need to do? You need to grow up. That's what you need to do. If you got people in here that you just don't like and they make your church experience unpleasant, you need to grow up. And, you know, and people, they have, they've had this attitude, you know, Pastor, I think you need to preach this kind of sermon, you know, to kind of help this person out so they don't bother me. Like, well, I'll preach a message that will help you out so they won't bother you. But you're not going to like it very much. Because guess what? You know, I don't like sniping people, but you're going to be getting sniped. You know, you asked me to do something like that. that. That's not right. Unity is something that requires us to put the opinions of others before our own. It says in Philippians 2.1, If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. We have to have this attitude when we come to church that I'm not better than everybody else. In fact, we're supposed to have the attitude that everyone else is better than me. We should have the attitude when we come to church that other people's opinions matter more than my opinions. Other people's wants and needs and desires, they matter more than mine. That should be our attitude. We should come in with this attitude of, I want the church to be united on something. So if there's something that I don't really like in the church, but everybody else seems to like it, you know what? I'm going to figure out how to like it. You know why? Because what other people think, it's not about what I think. It's about what everybody else thinks. It's about the congregation. And as long as everybody's united, I'm happy. That needs to be our attitude. We value other people's opinions above our own. But you know, some people, they are, they are so in love with their opinion, they got to make sure everyone knows it. They got to make sure that they get whatever it is they want. And you know what? I, you know, I've just learned over the years to, you know, learn to just, you know, not care. Because I am, I'm naturally an opinionated person. I think it comes with being a pastor. I think it runs in my family. You know, I am very opinionated. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I think I, I try to do well to just, you know, not care about things that really shouldn't matter. You know, because, you know, I'm the pastor too. So, I mean, right, if anybody's opinion matters, it's mine, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, my attitude is to, so, you know, for example, in the bathrooms down, downstairs, I picked nothing for those bathrooms. And you know what? I, I left that all up. Brother Aaron, Brother Sean, they volunteered to do it. And so I've got opinions on bathrooms and colors, you know, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like, hey, if I don't have to do it, 
I don't care. I'm perfectly willing to let the people who are doing the work get what they want. Does that make sense? That, that's just my attitude. Now, you know, there, there's always going to be, there might be that person in the church and nobody's done it yet. And let me just say this before you've said it, because you're going to regret it if you say it. But you know, there might be somebody here, well, you know, I think this color would have looked better. I think they probably should have, you know what? Shut up. You didn't volunteer to do it. You didn't have to do it. You know, so, so you be quiet. You don't need to, you don't need to have a say in that kind of thing. But a lot of people do. It's like, you know, when it comes to the color of the carpet, the color of the painting on the walls, They've just got to make sure their opinion's known. No, you don't. You know what? If everybody's happy with something, then let everybody be happy. Yeah, but I'm not happy. So what? You should be glad that everyone else is happy. And if everyone else is happy, that should make you happy. And that, you know what? That's, and that's what makes me happy as a pastor. I do. I want the church to be happy. I want them to, to be content. I want people to be unified. So at the end of the day, you know, I, if, if, if something doesn't go my way, the last thing I'm going to do is throw a temper tantrum about it and throw a fit about it and prove that I was right. You know, it was, it was kind of my opinion. I was kind of thinking maybe we should have went more with the gray chairs, but you know, a lot of people thought the blue chairs, you know, and I still think I was right. And, and, and I didn't have a strong opinion on that. I don't have real strong opinions when it comes to decorations, but you know, a lot of people do. It's like they got to forever set out to prove that they were right. No, you know what? Just deal with it. Yeah, but I don't agree. So what? Welcome to going to church. Welcome to living on a planet with other people. That's just, that's just part of it. You know what? We're supposed to be united. And we can unite around... You know, you should be able to unite around things like a, paint, a wall color you don't like. Or a carpet color that's not your preference. Or whatever. You ought to be able to unite around things like that. But you, you see, the thing is, unity requires humility. We saw in Ephesians 4, 2, it said, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. In Philippians 2, 3, it said, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And I'm telling you, with social media today, this makes it difficult. Because everyone has a platform. Everyone is able to clearly show what their opinion is on literally anything. And not only are you able to show what your opinion is, you can always see everyone else's opinion too. But, you know, back in the day when our opinions most of the time just stayed in our head, you know, we didn't have to like look at it all the time. But it's, it's kind of annoying for some of us when you got to go on Facebook and you got to look at everybody's opinions. And some of you haven't got the wisdom to just not look. But at the same time, because we're kind of, that's kind of the generation that we're in, people more and more feel like it's just part of our culture to always let our thoughts be known for the whole world and to just make a stink and to fight about it and argue about it. And folks, that's wrong. That's not good. That's not what God has called us to do. We should have a desire for others to get their way over ourselves. We also see this in Romans 15. It says in verse 1, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification, for even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope now the God of patience and consolations grant you that ye be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, 
that ye may uh, with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now, folks, that passage right there preaches this whole sermon. That passage right there, you ought to take it home and read it seven or eight times. And, I, and you might get a hold of that. But this needs to be the attitude. We should prefer others over ourselves. And often, so people, they'll leave church because something just doesn't, it doesn't fit their specific taste. And a lot of times, they're literally the only person in the church that feels that way. But then, because they're the only person in the church that feels that way, all of a sudden now they feel like an outsider and everybody in the church rejects me. So everybody rejects you just because we don't agree with your opinion on something that doesn't matter. Uh, I just feel like nobody goes along. And I had somebody one time that left, they left the church and one of the things that they brought up is how I never listened to any of their ideas. And, and you know, and the problem is, you know, as a pastor, as an overseer, you know, you, you know the church and literally these ideas stunk and he would have been the only one that would have appreciated it. And, you know, and, you, and I would still often try to do things to, to make this individual happy. But, you know, it was just never enough. They, I think they just wanted to run the church. And things didn't go their way. And I, I obviously didn't care about him. But wait, see, and, here, and here's the attitude. When people have this attitude, well, you know, the pastor just doesn't care about what I think. No, obvious. the problem is you care about what you think over everyone else in the church. You know, there's, and there's a lot of people that are like that. They want me to pay more attention to the opinion of one person in the room rather than the opinion of the other 70 people in the room. Now, that's pretty selfish right there, isn't it? You know, if after church we're like, hey, we're going to order pizza, you know, who wants sausage? And, you know, 69 people's got their hands up saying, I want sausage. And one person, I want pepperoni. And then you get mad and leave the church, you know, because we went with the sausage. You, you're a very self-centered individual. Well, I think we should have made sure provision for some pepperoni too. And, you know, and we, we try to do those things, but at the end of the day, just welcome to a world where you just don't always get what you want. Okay? This isn't Burger King Church where you have it your way or anything like that. You know, we're going to, you know, you know, this, you know, this is McDonald's Church where we get the order wrong most of the time. But, you know, <laughs> either way, just put up with it, you know, deal with it. It's just the way it is. So, um, you know, so unity, it, it calls for us to focus on that greater good. In Philippians 1.27, it says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. See, there's a lot of different things that, you know, we do in this church, things that we're focused on. Um, but at the end of the day, everything that we do, it should be geared towards advancing the gospel. Okay? And so, if, as long as we're united on that, that as a church, we are advancing the gospel, you know, we can all disagree when it comes to just the other things that we do, when it comes to, you know, even activities. You say, well, how does that advance the gospel? Well, you know, it does help to edify the saints. You know, we, it does, fellowship is something that's commanded in the Bible. And so when we fellowship together, you know, when we edify one another, when we do fun things, it does advance the gospel. 
Because literally all we do as a group is just soul win and soul win and soul win. Pretty soon, some of us are going to get burnt out and we're going to go to the Chuck E. Cheese church because at least they have fun every once in a while. Okay? Some of y'all would stick through it, you know, but, but a lot of people wouldn't. And, we're, we're, and we're, so we're trying to edify each other. Say, well, you know, I don't know that that's the best way or whatever. You know, just deal with it. All right. You know, just deal with it. There's going to be differences. We're not all going to have the same opinion. You know, not everybody's going to want to be involved in every single thing. But as long as we're united on that advancing of the gospel, we're going to be fine. And, and we see this over and over again, in these passages where it talks about being like minded, you know, being of one mind, uh, you know, being of one spirit, all these things. And none of these calls for us to be like-minded is a call for you to just you know, lose your individual identity. None of these things are a call for you to just be a mindless zombie that just comes to the church and does whatever the pastor says. That, that's not what it is, and that's not what we have here. But you know, we've, at the same time, what we're always doing is we're always focusing on what's more important. And so the thing is, if, you, if something comes up and it's like, well, you know what, I don't necessarily agree with that, you know, if you raising a stink about that is going to hurt the advancement of the gospel, then you know what you do? You forget about it. You just, you move on and you stay focused on whatever's right. Because, you know, not every decision is a right or wrong decision. You all understand that? Not everything's a right and wrong. So, for example, okay, soul winning locations. Okay, soul winning, you know, somebody's got to pick the soul winning locations. Okay, and you might think, well, I, I think this other part of town would be better. Well, you might be right. But at, at the same time, you should be united and go along with wherever the leadership has decided to go in a situation because it's about advancing the gospel. Yeah, but you know, you wanted to go to this one part, you know, a town pastor Tommy, and I didn't think that was very good. I thought we should go to this other part, and we went to your part, and we didn't get anybody saved that day. Well, might not have got anybody saved over there either. You know, we really don't know. You know, and, and but a lot of times people do, they just get real opinionated. Uh, I, I thought yesterday we should have went to this one part of town. We went to where Brother Austin wanted to go, and guess what? There was a drive-by shooting. <laughs> Endangered everybody's lives. You know, listen, we can't possibly predict what's going to happen everywhere. You know, I guess in Chicago you can kind of predict the shooting these days, especially on a weekend. But, but you know, either, either way, you know what? When it comes down to it, unless you get put in charge, of these things, you should just go along with whatever. Because it's not a right, it's not a right or wrong decision. You know what's right is that you be united. What's right is that you do that you go along with whatever has been chosen. You know, song choices. We've all got opinions on that. We've all got our favorite songs. But you know what? You should sing whatever song the song leader gets up and says to turn to. Well, I think this other song's better and I'm going to sing it instead. You know, that's called discord right there. You know, when and you just start singing your own thing while we're all singing another song, that's wrong. You know, carpet color, decorations, and even sermon selection too, okay? Now, I'm sure y'all are Americans. Y'all have opinions. You all probably have plenty of opinions on things I should preach on. And listen, I'm always open to suggestions and things too. But at the end of the day, it's up to me to decide what to preach. And you all should be supportive of that. If I get up, and I start to preach a sermon, and you see it's a subject that you didn't want to listen to today because you thought I'd be better if I did another subject, you shouldn't get up and walk out. You should listen. You should, uh, you know, you should pay attention just like you would if it was something that, you know, you thought I should preach on. We're all going to have opinions on these things. You know, speaker choices, stuff like that. There, there's a lot of things 
that it's just kind of my job as the pastor to do. And you all might have opinions on how to, especially those of you that are going to pastor someday. And I've, I've talked to the guys about this before. It's okay for them, whenever they see me doing anything, to have an opinion on it. Because, you know, they're, they're watching me to learn because one of these days they'll be in the same situation. And it's okay for them to form an opinion in their mind and maybe even tell their wife, you know, but then at the, but at the end of the day, they should leave it at that. You know, if I don't do what they thought I should do, they shouldn't go running their mouth about it. They should just shut up about it. And then if I was turned out to be wrong, when someday when they're pastoring, you know, pastor Tommy, he messed up in this area. I'm not going to make that same mistake. It's okay for them to do that. But in the meantime, they're trying to keep the church united. So that kind of thing should be kept to themselves. And uh, trying to keep that united attitude. So God's call for unity allows us to remain in obedience to God even when others don't necessarily make the best decisions. Because, again, there are some things, it, it's not wrong for you to follow somebody to maybe not the best soulning location. It's not a sin for you to do that. It's not a sin for you to walk on carpet that's a color that you don't like. It's, so, it's, it's not a sin for you to do that. So you know what you do? You, you go along. And, you know, cause, and here's the thing too when people are wrong. We are allowed to forgive. We are allowed to be forgiving. We, you know what else? We're allowed to even be defrauded if it will prevent other sins. In 1 Corinthians 6, 7, he says, Now therefore, there is utterly a fault among you because you go to law one with another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Oh, we can, we can do that? A lot of people act like we can't. Well, this person did me wrong. I'm going to get them back. This person said something about me. I'm saying something back. I'm going to make this right. We've got to deal with this. We've got to handle this. This person wronged me. They've defrauded me. I want them brought before the church. I want them thrown out of the church. I want all these things to happen to them. But you know what? It's okay. You're allowed to just take the wrong. You have the right to do that. And if we actually cared about unity, I think we'd do that every once in a while. It says, why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Remember what Jesus said? You know, if somebody sues you at the law and takes away your coat, give them your cloak also. Why? You know what? God just doesn't want us, get, he doesn't want us having a bad attitude about these things. Because there, there's more important things in life than getting everything that is owed to you. And you would think, as people who you know live under grace, who do not get everything that is owed to us, you'd think we'd be cool with that. You, think, you, you would think that Christians would enjoy those opportunities to not hold people accountable for their sins because it would be a reminder every day that I'm not going to be held accountable for my sin. You'd think that would be a great attitude. And if we would actually have that attitude, I think we'd have... A lot more unity. We know Jesus allowed a great deal of wrong to be done for him for the greater good. Jesus endured the cross. That was wrong. They should not have done that to him, but he allowed that to be done to him for our good. And we should allow ourselves to be done wrong. Sometimes people are going to be rude. Sometimes people in the church are going to do things they shouldn't do, say things they shouldn't say, you know, act in ways that are, are just wrong. And you know, you just, we have to deal with things. If we just constantly have to judge every situation, it's just not going to be, it's not going to be good. This isn't going to be a pleasant place if every week we got to come and deal with business because 
somebody did something to somebody else in the church. And when you're when you hang around sinful people, stuff's going to happen. And we've just we got to learn to deal with these things. We are not in sin when mistakes are made in an area where we have no authority. We just need to focus on what we're supposed to do. A lot of Christians too, man, they and they lose their minds in their churches when somebody else in the church does something wrong. But it's like it's not really your problem. You can pray for them. You can love these people, but at the end of the day, it's not your problem. And so while it while we are all fine having our own opinion, it is important that we understand that you destroy the unity you know, when you go around sharing it for every little thing, all right? Because notice this in Psalm 6.12. It says, A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. He winketh with his eye, he speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart, he deviseth mischief continually, he soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly, suddenly he should be broken without remedy. And then it goes on, and we all know this passage, these six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination, and that seventh that's an abomination is he that soweth discord among the brethren. The reason that whole passage there comes up, these six things that the Lord hate, is because he's been talking about that person who sows discord. And then he goes on to illustrate how bad sowing discord is that he says, here's six things that God hates. And you know, I'm, let me give you a seventh. It's an abomination. It's what we've been talking about. It's the sowing of discord among the brethren. So this is a really bad thing. But notice how that naughty person, that wicked man, notice how it says he winketh with his eyes, speaketh with his feet. He teaches with his fingers. Okay? Now, I can't tell you specifically how that looked in Solomon's day. But I can tell you how it could look today in church, okay? And I've not seen anybody do anything like this, but at the same time, I've seen it done in the past, and I've probably done some of these things in the past, all right? I've, I've probably done some of this with my wife before, too. But, uh, you know, have you ever seen it where somebody's sitting in a church? Maybe you've been there before. And if you do it with your wife, I don't think you're in sin or something like that. But the preacher says something that you don't like, and... You know, you, you just look at that other person, you just kind of wink at them. Okay, now why'd you do that? Okay, because of, of the fact that you've talked about that specific thing before, and he brought it up again. Oh, Pastor brought up that, you know, illustration he uses all the time again. You know, and you were just talking about how repetitive Pastor Tommy is. He's got hardly any stories, and he's always telling the same ones. And then I do. I, you know, I start telling a story. And then what do you do? You look at that other person and you wink. And now, they're not paying attention anymore. They've just got distracted from the message. And, they're and, and now they know this other person's annoyed because Pastor Tommy's doing his thing again. You're repeating himself again. Telling the same stories again. And we've all done that before where we've given signals to people in church. Okay. We, we've, we've all, and, and sometimes it's all fun and, and good and everything. I remember when we first became, uh, when we, when we first went post-trip, okay, we had like literally like kind of just become post-trip and we had some singers in and they sang a song about the rapture. And then like before he gave, kind of gave this testimony, he's like, one of these days, you know, the, the rapture is going to come and there's going to be a seven year tribulation. He went into all this stuff. And I remember brother Mark kind of giving me a look, you know, just kind of, kind of, a, kind of a little smile, you know, well, you know, 
because we knew, <laughs> uh, you know, and I remember I told the church too, I said, we're going to have pre-trib people come through this church. And so you ever hear somebody get up and say something, you know what, just deal with it. You know, so it was like an inside joke amongst all of us. So there was still unity there. <laughs> but at the same time, we do. There, there can be talk going on in the church. And then, you know, I mean, you know, Mrs. So-and-so walks into the church wearing this outfit. And all you got to do is just kind of look at that other person and, you know, make a signal, make a wink or something. And you know, you know why? Because you've been talking, sowing, sowing discord among the brethren. And, and, and a lot of times we do without getting up and verbally saying things. We say things, don't we? We say it with our facial expressions. We speak with our feet. How do we do that? I don't know for sure. Maybe it's getting up and walking out. That says something, doesn't it? You know, we're showing, we're showing, we're showing our opinion in our body and in our actions. And it's like we're not capable of just sitting there and just not doing anything. We got to make sure people know. And, I, and I've seen it too where people, they are, they're sitting in the service and they do, they just got to, they're not the one up there preaching, but they do. They've got to start making some kind of noise. They got to start scoffing and doing the body language and stuff. I've, I've had, I've had to preach you that before. And especially, I, I, there's been some women that have done that type of thing before. And I just, you know, that's when it's like, you know what? Women are supposed to keep silent in the church. And I get it. You didn't open your mouth. But let me tell you, your body is as loud as all get out and it needs to shut up. I've never done that, but I've thought it before. But, but e- either way, I, sh- I show you all that because, you know, that's what he's talking about here in Proverbs. This is, this is what they're doing. They're doing all these things to signal and it's all being done to sow discord. It's all being done to break up the harmony, to hurt the unity. And you know what it does? It takes that feeling away. And so the thing is, we all are going to have to deal with things that we don't like. Okay? There's always going to be things that bother us. You know, there, there's always going to be that hairdo that maybe some lady in the church comes to and occasionally that just drives you nuts. Well, you know what? Keep it to yourself. Because if you don't, if you share those things, when we're all having our united moments during the song service, and then Mrs. So-and-so walks in and she's got a, you know, got a new Karen haircut or something like that. You all, all of a sudden too, you are, you're going to look at your buddy they were talking to. You're going to kind of make that face, wink or something. And all of a sudden they forgot. They forget to sing about how great God is like we were earlier. You know, and all of a sudden you, you just, you killed the moment. And at the end of the day is much as we hate the Karen hairdo, you know, is it a sin? Well, well, that's another debate for another day. All right, let me, let me say that again. Are you sinning? <laughs> Are you sinning? If somebody, if somebody else's wife goes and gets a full-blown, you know, boss Karen haircut, are, are you in sin? You know, is that going to affect your walk with Christ? Probably not. So you know what you do? You just deal with it. You, you just keep it to yourself. That's what you know, said. So just don't do that because we want to keep that unity. At the end of the day, it's pride that stops unity. Humility is what is required to have it. Pride is what stops it. Some people just, they, they can't handle the fact that others often value someone else's opinion over their own. They haven't got the, they haven't got the humility to be able to be right without announcing it to everyone. And, and I'll be the first to admit that's hard to do. 
You know, it's hard to not say I told you so on things, but unity, it takes work and it takes a whole lot of humility. And we've got to do our part to remain focused on what's really important. Because all these other things, all these side things that we all have strong opinions on, if those things become a focal point in the church, if they become what we're all thinking about, what our mind is on, you know what it does? It gets our focus off of where it should be, and that's on advancing the gospel, on the faith of the gospel. We get, we end up getting, we get distracted by all these things, and that's the kind of thing Satan's going to use. You know, Satan is probably not going to ever destroy this church or split this church over the gospel. I think we've pretty well established where we are, where we stand on the gospel here, and I think we're very united on that. And I don't, I don't foresee uh, a split ever coming in something like that. You know what it's going to be? It's going to be in probably something stupid. It's probably going to be in something that involves taste, preferences, and things that are not a sin. And we can't allow that to happen. So we've got to have that mentality. And like it says in 1 Peter 3, 8, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Okay? If other people have a different mind than you, just feel sorry for them that they think that way and that they're not as smart and as wise as you. Whatever you got to do, all right? Whatever you got to tell yourself to be united, do it. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. And you know, just um, just Friday, we went to my family's house because all my sisters were there. Like the whole family was there. I, was, I hadn't really planned on going ever, over there, but I found out everyone was going to be there, and I didn't want to be the only one. So I was like, well. Yes, we'll go, you know. And then later, everybody started talking about going miniature golfing. Stuff. I didn't really feel like doing that either. I'd rather sat and hung around and ate at the house. But then, you know, I was just fine. I'm just, all right, let's do it. Let's, you know, I'll do what everybody else is doing. You know, we got a big family and McMurtry's are all opinionated. And it's like somebody's got to set the example and show how to just go along. And, you know, and then we did. We just, everybody ended up going and, you know, it's, it's called just being courteous. Just, you know, let's let others have their way and let's be happy that they're happy. Even if we don't get what we want, that is a Christian attitude. That is a Christ-like attitude and it is required. And the more this church grows, the more we are going to have to have that. The more we're going to need to be reminded of this, The uh, as, as numbers grow, opinions grow. And we've got to learn to uh, keep that unit, endeavor to keep that unity in the church. And I believe we do. God will bless us greatly. So with that, dear Lord, we thank you so much for all your blessings and for this church. And I do thank you for the, the wonderful spirit that's here. Lord, I pray we'll never lose it. I pray we'll uh, stay focused on the things that are more important and that we will we'll have that hum, uh, humble attitude. Uh, we'll see others as better than ourselves. And uh, you'll just help us to... Uh, be more like you in that area. In your name we pray. Amen.